All right, everybody, greetings. Welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast and the YouTube video. I'm your host, Steve Fredland, and as always, we are sponsored by Running Aces, Racetrack, and Casino. This already is episode 115. A couple of quick announcements. Uh, we had our play and learn on the 26th, and uh, I know at least one of the folks that's on with us tonight, Stacy, was there, and it was six hours that felt like an hour and a half. I mean, it just flew by. We had a great time. Uh, we're doing those as sort of private sessions. Uh, so I'm just collecting a list of folks that are interested in those. So if you're interested, let me know, and I'll let you know when the next time uh, we coordinate one of those deals is. Also, if you want to join our weekly community group chat, uh, 8 to 9.30 p.m. Minnesota time on Monday nights, uh, we do that. It's free of charge. You have to register, but uh, just some great conversations. This week, we're starting to talk a little bit about how do we hand range people? What's that all look like? How do we actually get better at that? So that's something you're welcome to join with. Uh, join with us on that. Uh, also, uh, Derek Smith, just want to give him a shout out. He was doing his big week at Running Aces this week, uh, representing Rec Poker. I know he took second in the first tournament, uh, but he's going to be putting something together, uh, sort of a reflective view on his week at Running Aces. So we're looking forward to that. And finally, uh, the player of the week for Running Aces this week, uh, the top four, Brian Mori, Bernie Kanke, Fia Vu, and Sam Suvanala. So congratulations to you guys for your player of the week status and the extra tournament lammers. Uh, quick shout out. Thanks to Stacy Nelson and Chad McBean who are with us tonight to interview the one and only Sarah Herring. Uh, so uh, we're, let me, a few words about Sarah before we get into this deal. Um, you know, we've been doing kind of a hardcore strategy hand history thing. And I thought, man, let's take a breath. Let's get somebody in here. That's just going to kind of fire us up and be excited. And uh, well, Sarah Herring is one of those people. Uh, met her uh, last summer out in Vegas and just had a great conversation. And man, I was just fired up at the end of it. Uh, she just has this knack of, of bringing energy into the room. Um, and uh, so her and Jeff Platt had a chance to meet them uh, last summer. Uh, she is the head of video and podcasting at iBus Media. She manages a global team with more than 150 employees. At least that's the last word I have on the street. So we'll get the, we'll get the skinny if any of that has changed. Uh, I enjoyed re looking at her LinkedIn profile because she says, 10 years ago, she was living in Thailand, a rock climbing flower child with a mohawk who thought that three shirts was one too many. And she now travels the world with a full makeup kit and her Louis V's. But even in first class, her spirit remains the same. She's also known as Aunt Chardonnay. And if you want the whole story and how that all happened, I go back and listen to episode 86. So with that, <laughs> she's showing our, our glass right now. If you're just on a podcast, you're missing out on seeing Sarah with her, with her glass. But uh, please welcome... Sarah Herring. Hey, Sarah, what's going on? Thank you so much. That was a glorious introduction. And of course, like I actually don't own even one single pair of Louis Vuittons and mama still uh, rides in coach. Don't, don't pretend, but like on LinkedIn, you know, you got to like bouge it up a little oh, bit. Nice. Like, let's be fancy. If you're trying to hire me, I want you to think like I'm flying first class, but also sidebar because I have did not know about this. What is this like learn and play? Is this kind of like a home game where you can learn how to play poker, but in like a comfortable space? Because I, if it is, I'm really on board with that. You're in. All right. Well, we'll get you, we'll get you about, I don't know, what is it? 2000 miles North from Texas to get up to Minnesota. But uh, no, it's something we just started, you know, we've been doing this podcast for a while. We started doing a few different training offerings like seminars and that sort of thing. Uh, but we did this thing that I had done in a home game one time where you literally just play the hand as you normally would play. You're not playing for money at all, but you're just playing like you normally would play. And then at the end of the hand, everybody flips over their hand. And then we just talk about, what were you thinking there? Oh, surprised that you didn't raise. You know, why did you, why did you not three bet me? What about your bet sizing? All of that kind of stuff. 
this is the best thing ever. And this is how I learned to play poker. This is how I fell in love with poker. I had this amazing friend who now runs some games. Um, actually, I probably shouldn't say that. But a <laughs> friend not, of mine who used to friend. live in Las Vegas, <laughs> uh, she sat down with me and she was like the only way to learn how to play poker is to just play poker so we did yeah. like home games or whatever but then after every hand we would just say like this is why i did this, this is what was going on and it was it's the best most fun incredible education you can get with people that you love and feel comfortable with or that at least you're in an environment where like when you all agree to do that then everyone respects each other and i'm like that should take over across across the country i'm on board let's start one in houston Sounds good. Yeah, no, it's super fun. I mean, it's super fun, but then it's also made you learn so much because you're like, well, you know, just exchanging ideas and how you're thinking about things, challenging each other. But the part of it I like about it, and I think this is kind of the niche of rec poker, is we're, we're trying to learn the game in the context of community. So it's one thing to just have somebody tell you something, and you can learn a lot from that. And some people, that's their best learning style. But there's a lot of us that learn through the interact, interaction side, and we're building relationships. That's the piece that now we, you know, we have these friendships that are really forming out of this small group of people. So it just works on so many levels. For sure. And it's one thing, like my least favorite thing ever was, I think when I first moved to Vegas um, and I played some of the tournaments at the Aria and then having players question your play when you're already kind of uncomfortable, I think we can all agree is like the worst experience you can have as like a recreational poker player. But when someone that you love and respect and care about is like, why'd you do that? That don't make no sense. Then it's, it's like such a more comfortable environment to, to be actually questioned, which is the only way to get better really. But when, you know, some jerk off in the 60 right. Aria is like, Oh, you're an idiot. Like, why'd you do that? It's right. like, Oh, okay. I'm, I'm going to go home and never play again. Like creating a space where you can ask questions and, yeah. you know, question your own self from someone that you respect instead of like in a space where you're going to get defensive and feel uncomfortable is it's awesome. I can't yeah, wait. That, I'm coming to Minnesota. Someday. All right. Like, well, we'll, really we'll come down there. We'll bring it down there. You know, it's going to be, uh, uh, the next two nights here in Minnesota, it's going to be 26 below actual temperature and 31 below actual temperature. Dude, and I saw it. There's like a deadly cold front. Deadly. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. They're, they've closed school for the next couple of days, which is pretty rare, but yeah, that's, that's even cold for Minnesota, like 31 below. I will be outside. I'm probably going to film it, but I will go outside in my shorts and my t-shirt with a, uh, a big pan of boiling water and I will throw it up in the air and it will turn to ice before it hits the ground. It's fascinating. So watch for that. That's, and, but yeah, you'll that's do that in your boxers, like just for all of us. <laughs> also, I have yeah. to finish it. You guys, I have to get it out. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Go I after it. Salad. Yeah, people on the podcast won't won't notice it at all. Good, please. I'm glad you don't. <laughs> so we'll come. You know, don't come up to Minnesota. We'll come down to Texas. So we'll do the play and learn down there. Uh, but yeah, it's a great time. And I would recommend it for any of you guys that are out there listening that have a home game that are willing to be you know authentic, willing to be transparent because uh, it is kind of hard sometimes where you're like you show what you did and like I I don't know I really didn't know what to do here and so you have to kind of put yourself out there. But that is how you learn. So I would challenge you guys, do that Do that out there in your home game. Do it with each other. It's the most fun. And then uh-huh. you can just bluff each other off like crazy and be like, why'd you do that? Like, because I know <laughs> right. you're, you're never calling me there. What's up? Right. Well, it is an opportunity to try some new things. But I think one of the things, one of the reasons it really works is you have to pretty much make a commitment among the group that you're going to play how you normally would play. Otherwise, it's, you know, you kind of ruin the integrity of the, of the learning process. So I'm sure everybody wants to hear about that. That was fascinating. But you know, Sarah, what's been going on, man? The last, so we, we talked a little bit off air here, but the last, uh, I guess, seven months since we spoke, what's been going on in your world? 
Dude, it has been so crazy. Like it was pretty crazy for those listeners who have been around for a minute. Um, when I saw you this year at Vegas in Vegas, I was temporarily spending the summer like half in Vegas and half at my mom's house who runs a dog hotel. So that was crazy just because it's as crazy as it sounds like dog hotels are basically Perfect. like, it's like you live in a kennel and it's <laughs> bananas. Um, but we had, I had made this decision that in March we should leave Vegas and move to Texas, but we weren't sure where we were going to go. I wanted to buy a house. So we stayed with um, my father-in-law like looking for a house. And then of course, within one month, I was in Barcelona and doing poker tournaments. And within one month, my mom was like, please, I'm desperate. This summer, I have so many dogs here. Can you guys please just come help me? And it's great money. You can't believe like the dog, dog, anyone who wants to know about it, like come, we'll talk about it. You can't believe it's like, it's great money. It's a hard life, but I think it's a beautiful, hmm. cool, awesome life. If you like dogs, I always see this stuff on Instagram. Like people are like, I just want the dog life. And it's like, right. it's not... It's a lot of like throw up and poop and like barking and it's balanced. It's nuanced. Like right. it's great, yeah. but it's also really hard. But that was cool and crazy. And then while we were there, my husband got this opportunity to take over a farmer's insurance agency. Basically, he has to spend one year training how to run an agency. And so we had to do that in Houston. And then they will um, different... Uh, sleepy insurance offices, as we have been calling them, my husband and I in our small jokes, um, will come up and then we can choose one hopefully. But in the interim, we had to move pretty swiftly from Colorado back to Waco where we were living with my father-in-law and then come right to Houston. Wow. And I had a ton of stops in between that. And um, Houston is not a place that I ever really wanted to go or in fact, if you would have said to me, like, what's like the top five places you never want to live, Houston would have definitely mm. been on that list. So it was a little bit uncomfortable. And then lots of things happened in the meantime, which were just awful. I did like some really terrible stops. My truck got stolen. My tires exploded. Like just crazy, stupid, mm. random things, like just life things, you know, that yeah. happen where when you're already kind of uh, not settled when they happen, it seems really probably more dramatic than it is. But um, yeah, so I finally, I did not go to the PCA this year because I oh, was okay. literally losing my mind. Like after I did the World Series of Poker Europe, came home for like three days, did uh, the Party Poker Caribbean, came home for like two days, did... Uh, 888 Poker London came home for like two days, and I just was like, "Dude, I, I need to like move into my apartment and I need to just chill for a little bit." Yeah. And then um, iBus Media got involved in a lawsuit um, having to do with some music from like ages ago before I was even in charge of the podcast or videos, and and all of this is still really. Mm. I don't really understand all of it yet, but that caused a lot of extra work. So all of a sudden it was like, man, I thought I was going to take a vacation, but that didn't end up working out. So it's been, it's been crazy. It's been a lot, but I finally feel like I'm settling in. You're taking finally. a breath now. Okay. <laughs> yes. So, it's what, taken a while, but so, I so feel a little the, bit more like myself finally. Yeah. that That's hard. I mean, that's, you know, life stuff, right? I mean, that life stuff, you only see people's exterior world. You don't really know what's going on in the interior. And sometimes that can just be devastating and really hard. And, 
Um, sorry to hear that all of the, the difficult stuff, hopefully things will settle down a little bit. What, what do you have? What's kind of the next trip you have coming up? So next week-ish, I think February 3rd or 4th, I'm going to London for, um, it's like a small 888 poker event. Um, it's not like a big, crazy event by any means, but those are some of my favorite to go to. Yeah. I think you guys, I, I mean, I know Steve and Chad both know for sure. Like uh, for me, the smaller events are my favorite events to go to. And um, I can't say 100%, but there's some buzz going around that we might be covering a lot more American tournaments this year. And oh. so those are some of like the smaller ones, maybe like the HBTs, the WSOPCs, like events that I've always wanted to do and be a part of. And um, I, I feel like after all this crazy turmoil and stuff this year, like all of a sudden right. I have this like golden light that I never <laughs> anticipated. Because, yeah, for you me, it's it. like, I just, I, I love those events. I love the smaller events. I love anything that's like $1,500 and below. I think those are like my people. Those are... Um, people that I can relate to and that's poker that I want to, that's what I love about poker. So, um, cool. I'm excited and, and I like these London events. I mean, I'm shocked. You can't believe how many people show up for, for these kind of events that they, you know, drive in from like two hours away or they take the train from three or four hours away. And like, those are the people who love poker for sure. Sweet. Well, you know, I know we've had a chance to talk about this and I know you and Chad have a history. Chad's actually the one that uh, introduced me to you. And then Stacy and I had a chance to meet you out there. So you guys kind of go way back, but uh, people that haven't been following the rec poker podcast, maybe haven't heard your story already. When you say you're, you're covering events, you're going to events. Why don't you give us kind of the 10,000 foot view of what do you do uh, at these events? So you show up and then you do what? Sure. Yeah. I mean, even people who know me, I think don't understand what we do. And it's the most difficult thing trying to hire people because, you know, theoretically, I think people just see the video content and think, oh, someone must give us a script and someone must, right. you know, plan the like travel for us or whatever. But really, um, it's a very small team. And uh, if I could break it down the most basic, it's it's 50-50. So you have someone who's a producer and a presenter, and then you have someone who's a shooter and an editor. So basically on site, you have only two people who are creating four to five videos per day. And then on the back end side of it, I'm intimately involved in, in building out contracts, in uh, booking travel, booking teams, really. We don't... I, I'm the only full-time person on the video and podcast mm. team at iBus Media. So it's a lot of managing and maintaining freelancers and trying to hopefully find and keep people who are, are good and skilled. But yeah, it's like we go, I think people think we just like, oh, it's so easy and it's no <laughs> big deal. But really it's- That it's, looks fun. It's that looks awesome. Job. Yeah. It's it, it'd be like having a dog, like having a dog hotel. If you say travel the world, people are like, wow, right, that right. sounds like very Angelina Jolie, but like, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> like, I can promise you that it is not. But it's great because the, the you know, passion and the drive of the people who are there is, I think, the thing that really motivates us and keeps us going. And that's part of why when we're at these smaller events, it's so refreshing. There's definitely times where we go to these bigger events where there are other people who have been traveling for ages and, um, you know, they're just trying to make money and it, I get that and I appreciate that and I respect that, but it definitely changes the vibe where it's like when you're haggard and you're tired and you're working like 12, 15, 16 hour days, when you get those people that are like so excited to be there and so excited to be covered, 
that's, I right. think, you know, really what keeps us going. And I think when we talked last time, I mean, there, you know, there's, this is like true reporting in the sense of nobody saying, hey, here's all the stories that are out here, Sarah. It sounds like, you know, we talked about the World Series, you were out there looking for those stories. I mean, you're kind of waiting for somebody to tell you something about somebody who got in through a free satellite or, you know, all of a sudden John Hesp appears out of nowhere or, you know, that's right. You're kind of digging for where are these golden stories within the mass of humanity that's participating in these tournaments. And you just have to be out there. Like, that's what's so crazy is sometimes when I'm trying to explain what I do, like when I'm at home, it's, you know, I'm like, okay, it's budgets and it's, you know, the, the basic stuff I can explain, staffing, th- these things I can explain what I do. But when you talk about what you do when you're on an event and why I can't do anything else when I'm at an event, people are always like, well, why can't you get that done? Like, why can't we have that meeting? Why can't we shoot that podcast? Because like, basically you just have to be walking around. You just have to be in it because you're going to be in it. And then like that guy you met at table, you know, five seat six is going to be like, oh, hey, come over here. I got to tell you this thing. Or, you know, you go to the the secondary room where the cash games are going on and and you see some dude, you know, who's like, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe this thing about this guy. But it's like, basically you just have to be constantly circling around and cycling around. And then of course, like refreshing the blog, looking at the blog, getting on the Twitter. Honestly, it's, it's, having been in other industries, I have to say the Twitter sphere specifically, <laughs> it's, I think, mostly for politics mm-hmm. and poker. Poker. Okay. <laughs> like, if you're, there's so many people that I've met that are like relatively new to say poker media or even just poker. Like Marley Cadero, I had her on the, on the podcast like a month ago and she's like, oh, I'm like, I don't really use poker. poker. I, I'm big in poker, but I don't really use Twitter. And I was like, dude, if you're going to be big in poker, you have to use Twitter. Like, yeah. Twitter is you're going to find tons of stuff. You're going to see who lost their stack that like stuff hasn't been, you know, adjusted yet in the blog. And it's really just a, yeah, it is like, you really are a journalist. I mean, we're not covering war or anything. Right. It's not that important. Well, some people, people might call it war the way that they describe their, their bad beats. You might think they just lost a leg in, in a war, but. Yes. And when you are the one, and I've had this experience of following like I remember uh Chrissy Arnett was just like super super deep what was she like so I can't even remember what the tournament was like WPG something whatever it was but like my girl was like deep in an event and I'm just like refresh 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 (laughs) refresh with the chip counts this stuff is messed up and so you know when you're on the flip side of it you realize dude this is this is news and it's super important. And this is the only outlet a lot of people are going to have. And yeah. half the times, even the live streams don't have the numbers, right? And, I know. and half the I time, know. the live streams, it's just one table and, and you're not going to get info on what's going on on the outer three tables that are still having massive pay jumps. And right. yeah, so I, I like to think it's, cool. it's kind of important to like well, some people. You well, know, it is. I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's a niche thing. I mean, every it's, you're doing a great service for those of us who are super interested in poker. Now, if you're not interested in poker, whatever, but it'd be like, okay, if, if you covered cornhole, I'd be like, who cares about cornhole? But people that are really into cornhole want somebody that's there covering it. So, you know, for those of us who are into poker, thank you for the service that you're giving us because it's, it's huge. Now I, I have a ton of other questions, but I want to make sure, you know, I give a chance for, for Chad or Stacy, if any of you guys have any questions or comments uh, for Sarah. I'm just trying to imagine who's the Sarah of cornhole. I know there is one. Like, now I want to know. You could be that person. You know, I mean, it sounds like you really have nothing going on. You you could go start covering cornhole. Honestly, like, this is not a bad idea. I don't know if it's cornhole, but I'm like, I'm sure there's some other, like, random niches that I could kind of, like, weasel my way into. You might have to upgrade to, like, you might have to upgrade to, like, Aunt Vodka or something. (laughs) 
<laughs> and you like PBR. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jed, did you have something? Well, I just know from, from firsthand when um, a couple of years ago, sitting in a deathly cold warehouse, watching 20 hours of poker being played in a cube, sitting beside Auntie Chardonnay as she's bundled up in her blanket. <laughs> <laughs> and okay, my slippers, a, all the pictures slippers, from that. Yep. We have a story forming here. Like, Y'all, if you were going to put this, if you were going to put the photos like all over the internet, you could have told me to put my shoes back on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it, it is hard work because you always have to be paying attention and not only to what the action's going on, to the people around you, because you never know who has the story or what other players are, are talking about what. Um, like, and in Twitter, you can see just this week, there's, some players just say one type of term and other players just go off. And that's been going on with some highly known players recently. So you, you got to stay on Twitter. You got to stay everywhere and keep your eyes open and your ears open and everything. And I'm sure, um, Sarah, with all your events that you have to cover, you have to have people ready in all over the world, really. So how does someone become one of those people to work with you all around the world? That's my question. I mean, for sure, like it's super key. And I, and I will say, and I'm sure I, I'm, I'm, I don't think, I'm pretty sure I shouldn't be saying stuff like this, but um, when I was just at the party poker in the Caribbean, they didn't bring very many live reporters from our, so we basically get subcontracted out by all these other companies, right? So poker news goes to cover tours and those tours like pay for our team to come cover the tour. But so they wanted like a massively reduced team to just push everyone to the live stream, I think was their ultimate goal. And then they wanted me on the live stream, which I was like, cool, that'll be fun. Like I can be, you know, like ready for whatever and let's just get it. But then like midway through day, the first day I realized I don't have the information, right? Because the live stream is 30 minutes delay. And then if I don't have people who are on the floor actually like blogging the tournament to give me the information. So they're just like, okay, go do a bust out. And then it's like my face (laughs) and me. And I'm like, hello, who are you? And what happened? And then, you know, I look like like such a dumbo. Like, I don't know. Did he make Mm. a great play? Did he make a terrible play? Like, you know, was, did he get coolered? What happened? Did he have a small stack to begin with in the hand? Or it was just so many things. And then they're like, just like, you know, you're like a professional. You can just like ask the questions. And I was like, no, because I am a professional. I can tell you that you need some information to ask questions. Otherwise, yeah. then you just become the person who says, how does it feel to get busted out of a tournament? <laughs> that Boy, that's got to suck, doesn't it? Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> um, but to answer, Chad, how does one become this type of person? The live reporters are run by Yori in pokernews.com. And we need people all over the world. And if you ever want to be a live reporter, I think the easiest thing would be to like get just slide into the DMs of me or Poker News or whomever, or there's like infinite, I'm pretty sure there's like a, no, I know there is, there's a contact us on the Poker News page where you can like send a resume, send a writing sample. And actually for me, for example, I don't hire the live reporters. I hire mostly presenter producers and also shooter editors. And I am desperately looking for a shooter editor in the Houston area. I've got 
a gig on Friday, um, the Thirst Lounge. So Bill Perkins is putting together like 10 hosts and some other people for the Thirst Lounge. And he's doing an event on Friday in Houston, which I need a shooter for. And basically what always happens is anytime I find a shooter, then, you know, you freelance this gig here with me in Houston. And then next thing you know, we're in Vegas all summer or we're, you know, going to Barcelona or whatever it is. So if you're listening and you know someone who lives in the Houston area, which it turns out is a very large area, who can shoot video and edit video, hit me up, get slide into my DMs. I'm ready for it. I need it. Yeah, and, and Chad, if you know somebody, uh, Sarah was saying off air that she'll, she's got a $10,000 referral fee. So feel free. <laughs> just kidding, people. I have just, so, you can't imagine. It's just, yeah, just it's like a part unlimited, of my budget. Unlimited budget, right? Isn't that kind of how it's, you guys roll? Yeah. As yeah. we know, like I'm always like private jets. And I know. Yeah. First class Louis V's. I mean, we, yeah. we already kind of told the story. A little bit. I don't even know. Like apparently there's like a thing about shoes that I've read on the bottom. Like, I don't oh. know. I don't have it yet. But, like, <laughs> Stacey, did you, did you have something there? Yeah. I was going to ask you, you, you aren't playing in the main event. You're not that caliber of player. You, I think you remember you referring that to us. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we can't learn enough. It's What's like that? illegal. Gotcha. Which is part of why I lose a lot of my staff too. So like Jeff Platt, who you guys yeah, had, yeah. who you guys met last year, yeah. uh, he's not going to be doing video with me this summer because he can't play. Okay. If he does video with me, which is just. So where did you play, or how did you learn enough to know to ask what questions to ask so you sound. And you could dig deeper. Uh, where, how did you find that balance of how to play enough to really dig in and get a good story? Okay, so this is like a two-parter because <laughs> actually when I very first fell in love with poker, I was living in on Fremont and Las Vegas Boulevard. So like full-on nice. Binion's, Golden Nugget. Uh, it was It turned into the D. Before that, I think it was the Fitzgerald. Yeah, the Fitz. Fitz. Um, basically, I was a total downtown hood rat. And my husband and I were like, in hindsight, when I think about it, it cracks me up. But we would go like four nights a week and play these like $60 tournaments. hundred Like on Saturdays, they had one at, at the Nugget and also one at Binion's where it was like a guarantee of 5K, I think, or something. It was like 5K guarantee, but you would pay $100. Um, yeah. And so I was basically playing like four or five days a week at least at these really low stakes, whatever kind of tournaments. And then I became really crazy about this. There was this one tournament at the Fitz, which is nothing. I think honestly, every night we would get like three tables, three <laughs> tables, but it became kind of like a home game. Really? Like, we right? knew each other really well. Yep. It's crazy. Like you start to just know everybody, yeah. you know, the waitresses. I fell totally in love with the, the poker room director there. He was just such a wonderful person. And um, so my husband and I started, it was like a $40 buy-in with like a $20 add-on or something. So I was like, okay, budget-wise, every sing- even if I want to play this tournament, every single night, if it's $60, like I think I can just consider it an investment, you know, in my future or whatever. And so we we did. We I played that most days for two years. And they had on Wednesdays, it was a $20 buy-in, but they were training dealers for Omaha. So like we got to learn Omaha a little bit better and how to talk about that. But if I'm honest with you, even then I loved poker. I 
enjoyed playing poker so much, but I was so uncomfortable talking about poker. So uncomfortable. Hmm. And Christy Arnett was like my best friend and she was, you know, the strategy girl. And so I just always was like, well, I'm just never going to be that. So I'm not even going to try. I'm just always going to pretend like I know nothing about poker and don't care about poker because I thought that was kind of a safe route to go. And I would say that after Christy left, maybe... I always have been crazy about watching content, mostly because when I'm going to interview someone, I think it's really important to see the kind of content and stuff that they're putting out there and what are they saying and what are they talking about and uh, reading the blogs, of course, is something I just have to do to cover tournaments appropriately. And so it just sort of started to happen naturally where the language started to make more sense. And after listening to lots of people explain things, um, I was listening to a bunch of old podcasts as a result of this lawsuit I brought up earlier. And I heard myself doing some strategy interviews maybe <laughs> five years ago or six years ago. And it was interesting because you could see that I was like trying some things or asking some things. And I think I must have gotten bad feedback or people must have said nasty things on YouTube or something after that because I think I really, really shied away from it after that. But then I could see in the last couple of years um, having, for example, worked with the live stream team and worked with some other people who really don't know anything about poker, um, try to say things where I'm just like, Oh, that's, mm, I'm not yeah. going to ask that. That's a terrible question. Or like, <laughs> that's embarrassing for you to ask yeah. me to ask that. And so I've, I, I by no means feel comfortable, you know, talking next level strategy or anything, but I do feel much more comfortable now and much more at home in a space to to ask questions like you know what are to ask questions about value and 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 understanding a little bit about equity and um ranges and things where i think yeah i've i just feel a lot better about it now than i used to and and actually i had a job opportunity come up a couple months ago in the esports world which would have paid me quite quite a bit more, which I thought about because I thought that's interesting. But then I thought it's taken me almost right, 10 years to understand like where I am in poker. And I was like, if I took this job, I would be just totally starting over. And, and I'm, I'm, I think grateful and proud of where I've gotten in yeah. this space. And I'm like, really don't want to start over again. Well, it's, it's kind of fun. You're in, you're in one of those roles that, you know, everything, so many things have been documented for many, many years now. So you can actually look back and see the progress that you've made. I think sometimes whether it's poker playing or whether it's just life or whatever, people don't have that opportunity. You kind of forget how far you've come in life or in poker or in whatever, but you have that opportunity, which could be scary as well. But to actually look back at those those interviews or those discussions that you've had and say, wow, I really didn't know anything. And at the time I actually thought I knew some things. Yes. It's yeah. so good. And it's also so bad. Right. Like I think about our poor children, like <laughs> God bless you because there's just so many periods of my life that thank you, Jesus do not there's, exist. There's no the pictures. Internet. There's no video. Right. Yeah, especially <laughs> when you're our age, it's like, you know, I'm like, I'm talking to Stacy and I, you know, once you're Stacy and I's age, you know, it's like, wow, God, yeah, the first 25 years, there wasn't any documentation of anything. Yes. Which is like kind of a bummer, but it's also kind of like, eh, yes, is it yeah. so bad? 
Well, so we have, we have about 10 minutes left, man. I have a million questions, but I, I, there's one I really wanted to get to. And well, there's a couple I really wanted to get to. We'll see if that happens or not. But one is, you know, last time we talked quite a bit about all the different personalities that you've had a chance to uh, interview or actually dig a little bit deeper and get a, a more of a relationship with. I'm kind of curious, like if you had, you know, two hours available and, the, and the, all the poker personalities available to you, like who would you want to spend like two hours with just chatting about, you know, one of be poker, just chatting about life or just hanging out with like, who are those, you know, one or two personalities that have just stuck with you as man, th- those are people that I'd love to just get to know better or spend some time with. Oh man, that's like way deep, really hard because I, I, I am being 100% genuine when I tell you that poker players for me are so surprising so often. So often I go go into interviews like nervous to ask someone or unsure and I come out of it like, I think my camera guy makes fun of me sometimes because just so often I'm like, wasn't he wonderful? Hmm. Like, wasn't that so Good. fascinating? And I think the the funny thing about poker players especially is from... I was like crazy about wanting to be like popular and stuff in high school. And that's what I did. And that's what I aimed for. And so I think I just missed a lot of a certain type of crowd. And so for me, I just always think like, Oh, they're going to be like probably uncomfortable or they're not going to know what to say, or um, I'm going to make them freaked out or something. Like you just create some weird divides, like at a very young age. Like accountants and actuaries, right, Chad? Hey, yeah. listen. We, we never had a chance. With, insurance game now, dude. I'm all about that actuary life. <laughs> we never had a chance with the Sarah Herrings in our in our high school. <laughs> but then it's so crazy because you you realize some of the relationships that you. Yeah. I mean, you probably realize it in the moment, but you realize that like lots of the relationships that you have are are shallow, and somehow you start to just open all of these doors of there's just infinitely fascinating people in the world. I think there's just so many people that are so fascinating. I could think of so many in so, so many different ways. Yeah. I could, I could tell you that, um, actually, for example, so I met Marley Cadero at a girl's night okay. that Chrissy Arnett invited me to. And there was just tons of awesome women, but I was just totally put off by the whole thing. Cause it was just so like woman hear us roar and okay. let's like, I don't know. There was just something about it that I think I, I behaved and reacted in a way that, um, I just didn't, uh, work too hard, I guess, to, to nurture those friendships. But then having her on the podcast, um, this month, I was like, wow, I'm super interested in what you're doing. And I think you're super cool. And I would definitely love to just have drinks and hang out with her. And, um, on the completely other end of the spectrum, (laughs) there's been so many people that were there was a guy who just won the high roller at the 888 in London in December who was just the coolest, nicest, chillest guy where I was just like, yeah, we could like definitely go out with your family and hang out. And then there's other people like the, the, um, most of the guys, for example, in Solve for Why, like Matt Berkey is someone that every time I, I talk to Matt Berkey, I'm just blown away. And then Jordan Young and that whole crew. 
Christian. Yeah, Slater. and they're yeah. just they're just really smart, and they're just really they really care. It's like the Jason Coons, like people who really yeah. are just care, they're into like biohacking, and and they just want to be the best people they can be. And then conversely, um, like Tony Burns, for example, who is the poker director for the Seminole Hard Rock in Florida. Um, the Seminole Hard Rock has like a recurring. Uh, podcast sponsorship on 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 the poker news podcast so we do a lot of video interviews and you would think that it's just like like this is like we have a sponsorship so this is what we do but i swear every time i talk to him we end up just so deep in conversation about our families and our lives and cool i don't know i guess i'm just on all ends of the spectrum i think poker has infinitely interesting people to connect with and it's actually one of my biggest problems is, for example, going to the World Series. I say, like, I can't do anything else. And it's because you just walk down the hallway and every 10 seconds you're getting into some engaging, interesting conversation. And well, some of that really, comes from it's you, probably not be- just poker. It's just like human beings are... Really well, right. And I think some of that comes from you because I think your personality is you're a reporter. So you're, you're interested in people's stories. You're very personable. I think you want to get to know people more than a surface sure. level. So I think there's kind of that, your personality, you're going to find great stories when your personality is looking for great stories. And I know last time we, last time we chatted, um, I was asking you, um, what do you think the great poker players have in common? And I think we wrestled with that for a while going back and forth because you, you just couldn't put your finger on it. And I loved the dialogue and I went back and re-listened to that. And, and ultimately you just said, you know, I think they're very self-aware, which I thought was a very interesting conclusion to be like, because they're, you know, the, you know, poker players are a vast spectrum from, of health and, you know, uh, social, you know, butterfly-ness and all these things. But I think that's where you came back was they're self-aware. They know who they are, the great ones. For sure. For sure. The great ones. And to be able to, I think all of us struggle, myself very much included, with uh, recognizing your flaws is one thing, but actualizing the change that needs to be made to become you know, the, your better self or some version of yourself saying, I know I shouldn't be three betting every time in this spot, but I just want to, or whatever it is, but actually doing the thing that is not the, your nature, but is your sort of higher self is, I think, I think the yeah. really great poker players generally, generally well, I, do that. I have one more question for you, then we're going to have to cut it pretty short, but if Chad or Stacey have anything they want to ask, time just yeah. flies by with you for sure. But I know, I didn't even finish a one. I know, you have to at least get it. You should have had that, have some logo on there, get some sponsorship for the video mm. for, you know, whatever you're yeah. drinking there. Uh, <laughs> but I kind of want to ask you a little bit, and I know this could be a whole separate thing, but we just have a couple of minutes. Like, just from a high-level perspective, both you as a player, uh, the conversations that you've, that you've had with others, what can we do as a recreational poker community to help increase the, the gender diversity uh, in poker. I know I looked at the stats recently and, you know, online, like 25% of the online players are female. And then it kind of keeps going down and down and down eventually to the, the main event, I think is around two or 3% that are females. And it's kind of everything in between. And obviously you see it at the local casinos everywhere. Should we be concerned? Uh, should we be driving it? But, but primarily what I, I think we should, I mean, I think the, to grow the game, but also I think it's just better in everything to have diversity. I'm just curious your perspective on, what can we do as recreational players, as the Rec Poker podcast, as Rec Poker Nation community? What can we do to help um, grow the game and, and improve diversity? I mean, to me, the best thing is to work locally, right? So if you have a friend who you work with who doesn't know how to play poker, to bring her to your poker game or to explain, because I can say for sure for my own self, 
I just did not understand anything about poker. And once I just even understood small nuances, I think it's extremely attractive to women, mostly because there's such a psychological element. And this yeah. is what is the most attractive thing for most women, I think. So it's like inviting them to the game, bringing them into the game, making them feel comfortable. And it's so funny because I would say four or five years ago, I would have said more women will bring more women. But actually, I totally don't think that now. I actually think sometimes like women can be the meanest and most aggressive at other women. <laughs> and, 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 it, and the men, you know, you're never going to be able to stop or change or control, you know, everybody at the poker table. So this like, oh, let's just like make it happier or better for them. It's like, okay, like we, you know, we're not the boss of the universe. We're not going to change all the games. So the thing is like, the only thing you can do is like instill the love of the game in someone else. And I also would say I've looked at the stats and I've made for my own KPIs and my own goals multiple times on both podcasts and video to increase the female audience for us. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And, and I think that there's so many things that are that are factors that are included that, in that that people don't consider. For example, having children is a gigantic thing that separates men and women, right? Like men have kids too. I get that. But it's like birthing children for women, I think, is a massive part of their role and responsibility and motherhood is, is a ginormous task to take on. Yeah. And so I think there's lots of periods of women's life where they're like playing regular poker is just less accessible online, like getting a babysitter and then going to, you know, the casino right. is just, it's like a lot. So I think I've reflected on my own goals of getting more women in and just realized that you know, I'm not the boss of that probably and I can't change it. But the only thing you can do is like in these very small spaces, the people that you do know, like the one girlfriend that I had that made me really like poker. Imagine now like maybe that I've affected two yeah. or three other lives and then you can get this exponential growth potentially, but that it, it's, you know, I don't think like if you're super nice at the table, like it's not going to save someone else from hitting on mm. some girl or something. Like right. if you can't take, take it, like it's probably not going to be the sport for you. But those things, like you're saying, learn together, do home games where you can talk together and make them feel safe and make them feel comfortable. Like that's the best thing you can do. Okay, good. Chad or Stacy, anything else for Sarah? Are we going to see you out in the uh, World Series this summer? Are you going to be out there covering everything? Yes. And actually, I would throw this out to your guys' audience. So um, I've been working a lot on the on the lawsuit, and that's really consumed my mind for the last two months. But my next project I'm looking at is working on acquiring a budget for the World Series. And in order to determine that budget, I'm trying to figure out a content plan and what we're looking for. And so um, we've got a, quite a few ideas spiraling around about what we want to do and what we think people want to see. But if your audience out there has ideas, if you want to see more news, if you want to see more fun stuff, if you want to see more sit downs, more behind the scenes, more whatever it is, like whatever it is that you're looking for, I'm looking to build a content plan in the next month that hopefully can be what people are looking for. And I mean, we're just always trying stuff, but getting real feedback from people who actually watch the content is super helpful. And, I, and I'm happy to collect that. If you guys want to send stuff to me, I'll send it to Sarah. But how could they do that directly, Sarah? What's the best way to provide that kind of input? You can slide into my DMs. My DMs are open on the Twitter. On Twitter, or... Auntie, Auntie Chardonnay. 
Yes. A-U-N-T-Y, yeah. Chardonnay. Or you can also just send me an email. It's Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at pokernews.com. Very simple. Okay. And if you know someone in Houston who's a shooter editor, <laughs> right. get at me. We've covered that. <laughs> at, at me. Yeah. All right. Well, well Sarah, what, Sarah, why don't you take a couple minutes here if you want and just kind of share how else, I mean, you, you shared some of it, but how can people connect with you? Uh, what should they be paying attention to if they're not plugged in with poker news or some of the other things that you're doing? What, what should every recreational player be following, be listening to, be watching for that, that you're involved with? Oh my gosh, nothing. Nothing. I'm like okay. The worst. I so <laughs> I'm on the Twitter, anti Chardonnay, and that is like every time I do the podcast, I tweet that out. I'm on the Instagram, anti Chardonnay, but I'm pretty terrible at posting. I'm just not that great on social media. But for, I mean, if you want to know what's going on in the poker world, I think Poker News is a great resource. Yep. Of course, and I. <laughs> of course. Yeah, I think if you're if you're interested in poker and you're looking to to find what's going on in poker, I think and I hope that we're going to be covering a lot more stuff this year in the US, which is so for me for my podcast it's primarily US based. My YouTube audience is primarily US based and it's been really a bummer and a struggle because we're just not covering most of the US based tournaments because you know, there's no like affiliate deals and all that. Um, but I think we're making a shift this year and I'm super excited about that. And I would just love to see more people, more feedback. Honestly, the, you can find all of my video content, um, on poker news at the poker news, YouTube page, which is just pokernews.com spelled out Poker news DOT. But I mean, obviously everyone understands search engines, but I think we're going to be coming up with a ton of new stuff on the YouTube page, hopefully this year, which will be American audiences will be able to connect more to it. And it will be like put out in time zones that they're interested in. And I hope that also the WSOP coverage this year will, will be able to do, we've been very limited in our budget the last few years of the world series. And it's been really disappointing for me. So I'm, yeah. I think we're going to be able to do a lot more long form content and stuff that we haven't been able to do before. So just be vocal, be out there, tell me what you want. And then I can take those things and give them to the people who have money and say, look, this is what the people want. Help us give the people what they want. You know, right. I think that's part of the biggest problem is like, you know, our most vocal audience is just wanting to talk about like, you know, anal or whatever like weird stuff they talk about in the YouTube comments and are just being mad about things like the really constructive yeah. feedback is what we could take and give to the people. Who have. Cool. Well, we, we, we almost ended the podcast on time. We almost did. We, you know, 30 seconds earlier, we could have avoided that. <laughs> But I had to get in that anal. You I know, get exactly. Thanks a lot. Anal comment with, before we quit. <laughs> All right. Well, we do have to wrap it up there, Sarah. I mean, thank, thanks so much. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, you know, normally we're talking strategy, hand history. This is just kind of fun to just catch up with you and hear hear how life is for you and what's going on behind the scenes. So thanks for your time on that deal. Uh, thanks to Chad and Stacy for joining us 
tonight. Thanks to Running Aces for continuing to be our sponsor. Uh, those of you on the podcast can't see Sarah blowing kisses to the audience. So get out there, check out the YouTube video, folks. I know it's pretty new for all you Rec Poker podcast listeners, but there is the video version, and you're going to miss out on Sarah drinking wine and blowing kisses. So go check that out. Go to recpokertraining.com for information on everything else we have going on out there. Uh, sign up for the newsletter to keep, keep uh, informed on things like the play and learn all that jazz, uh, like us, rate us, review us, all that stuff. If you want to patch, let me know. Uh, but until next week, good luck on the felt. And maybe I'll let, uh, let Sarah give the parting words as we sign off. Deuces. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. <laughs>